0: Drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons, nurse practitioner who is literally in his scrubs right now. He is working his little tail off (laughs) and then races home and drinks a a little sip, a little smidgen of water, and then gets behind the mic, which I am very thankful for. Hopefully, you are uh, happy to be hearing our. Oh, oh, another smidge. (laughs) A little smidge. Uh, Uh, Hopefully, you're doing well as well. We love to hear from you at DTS show wherever you have social media and you can always download the podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast if you miss anything on the show. If you missed earlier this week, our girl Ellen made some comments about workplace toxicity on national television. It is if you are keeping track at home, her third apology (laughs) and... (laughs) Third time's the the charm? The first? Nope. Nope. No. (laughs) People aren't very happy with it. And, you know, we love to cover bad apologies on this show. You'll hear things like Kyle Larson's apology. You'll hear things like... Hannah Brown's apology Which went a little Something like this I did I'm so sorry Yeah That wasn't
1: you was I'm that was so, so sorry oh. <laughs> did
0: That I? wasn't you It was Brooke Bro- Yeah and then they Threw Brooke under the bus Whoever that is uh. That was after she sang uh, Lyrics containing the N-word Over and over again On Instastory um, And you know Just a drunken no, Oh I did I'm so sorry I did I'm so sorry <laughs> Sufficed for her <laughs> For a little while I do believe She backed it up With a second apology um, yes. You gotta buffer Your apologies with other apologies, I guess, in this world. But Ellen, it was a highly anticipated season premiere, season 18 of The Ellen Show, which she promises is going to be a new chapter. People on Twitter said, bitch, just close the book already. (laughs) I love it.
1: Just be done with it.
0: I know. Just end the book, okay? This is the never-ending story of Ellen DeGeneres. And I always say this, but it bears repeating Ellen is hard for me as a lesbian to hate because she was a huge role model for me. I used to know every single word to her stand-up shows. She was like going to her show on the Ellen DeGeneres show was like going to Mecca. It was an experience. And it was something that lesbians flock to every year. Sure, of course, you know we all get in our blazers, we meet, we exchange <laughs> pictures.
1: There's a there's a, a line of Subaru Foresters just like all lined up together.
0: Yeah, it's like the Tesla parking, but uh-huh. for Subarus. But it's for Subarus, yeah. So she said a lot of things in her opening monologue, and this is just some of what she said. Let's get to it. Um, as you may have heard, this summer there were allegations of a toxic work environment at our show, and then there was an investigation. I learned that things happened here that never should have happened. Hmm. I take that very... Sp- so right away again, not a lot of responsibility I'm, I'm hearing, right? Yeah. I learned of these things when she didn't... She's claiming that she didn't know, which is what she did, I think, in the first two apologies. First two apologies, yeah, of course. Okay, all right. Seriously, and I want to say I am so sorry to the people who were affected I know that I'm in a position of privilege and power, and I realize that with... By the way, she's literally wearing a white turtleneck and a white blazer, so she's gone (laughs) all white. Uh Uh-huh. That comes responsibility, and I take responsibility for what happens at my show. This is the Ellen DeGeneres show. I am Ellen DeGeneres. My name is there. My name is there. My
2: name is on underwear.
1: (laughs) That's like the very like um, sitcommy sort of thing. Like we're going to talk about this thing. We're going to talk about this thing, and just before it gets super uncomfortable and we get real, we crack a joke.
0: Exactly.
1: And, and I really want really, Eleanor just come out, sit down, look in the camera, say, "You know what? I'm a jerk, and people called me on it. And it was a really jerky environment at my show. And if you'll give me another chance, I'll fix it. Uh, here, you know, I'm sorry." And then just like be done. Like, don't crack jokes. Don't throw other people on the bus. Don't tell us you learned of things like you did that already. And it didn't work. So and neither did this.
0: Yeah. Part. And, and you know, she did. She did go on and we, we have to take a break. But she did also say that her mistake was branding herself as the nice one. Oh, my
1: God. That was the worst part. She's <laughs> like, if I could ever give anyone advice to like, don't
0: be the nice. don't lady.
1: Don't be don't be the be kind lady. Don't do it. <laughs> And then she's like, I'm a pretty good actress, but I didn't think I was... I'm not so good that I could come out here every day for 17 years and fool you. So you're you're admitting that you're completely aloof and we're not in touch with anything going on at your show. Like that's not an apology to me. That's just telling me exactly why the environment that developed developed. Like Yeah. Thanks for out. And then the only point.
0: thing that she said was like I'm I'm working on myself. I'm not perfect. I get mad and impatient. And then didn't she promote her black DJ to be an executive producer?
1: Yes. Who he also talked some mess about her on Twitter so I was like
0: and now the first person on my diversity roster right (laughs) new black
1: guy as my I mean old black guy as my new EP ha. okay bye and he's like
0: okay (laughs) so um maybe try try again I don't know if third time was a charm in this case but we will uh, break it up with some laughs uh not canned laughs hopefully but (laughs) we will have another
2: Drop the subject. The new channel Q.
1: Drop the subject, Allie and James. It is a beautiful Wednesday. Later on in the show, we are doing a gay MA because that's what we do on Wednesdays. The other thing that we do here on every day is talk, oh, some things that are sometimes political and kind of important. And unfortunately, as we talked about earlier in the week, and as basically the entire world knows, we lost um, an icon, a legend, uh, a political heavy hitter and a really dear woman to our American history, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, last Friday, which has, of course, left a vacant Supreme Court seat. There are eight Supreme Court justices now. Um, We need nine so that there are not ties. That is how our judicial system is set up. And uh, right now, you know, the, the biggest headlines are that the Republicans are going to push to have a new nominee and try to get this new Supreme Court justice nominee vetted and through the system before the election, or at least before Donald Trump were to leave office, uh, which is completely 100 percent opposite of what they allowed Barack Obama to do, who actually had a vacant seat in January of his lame duck year, not in September of his lame duck year. In fact, here's Senator Lindsey Graham saying exactly what should happen if Barack Obama was to try to have a new Supreme Court justice.
2: I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. Whoa, boy.
0: And we are. So what now? Doesn't matter.
1: Cool, cool. As we're learning in pretty much 2020, nothing matters, particularly if you are uh, a Republican president with a Republican Senate majority and Mitch McConnell is your Senate majority leader. Um, And Lindsey Graham is saying full on that he's supporting pushing through a nominee now, even though he said we could use his words against him.
0: Okay, so this is the thing that infuriates me more than anything about politics is that history, it gets completely ignored all the Mm -hmm. time. So it's Mm -hmm. just this person's in this position now and they're saying this now. And then a bunch of people go, well, what about these things that you said two months ago or two weeks ago or two years ago? And they're like, I'm here now. (laughs) And you're like, "What?" what? What
1: matters right now? It's the Kellyanne Conway. You know, like, she was the queen of this. So, well, what about those things that happen here? What matters right now is that we have a Supreme Court seat that just cannot remain empty. Like, they're just completely ignoring the question or whatever happened.
3: So,
0: so Donald Trump has said that he wants to nominate somebody by Saturday, which is insanely fast. He's got a couple of top contenders. Both of them are women. Who are they? Well, let me tell you about Amy Barrett, who probably would, I would think... Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Amy Barrett would have absolutely nothing to talk about at a cocktail party. She is a, a she's a lawyer, she's a jurist, she's an academic, and she's apparently a member of a cult. Should we talk about it?
1: <laughs> oh, please!
0: So she's obviously very. Religious, she's a Catholic, she's a family woman, and she is, according to the New York Times, part of this tightly knit Christian group called People of Praise. And the group (laughs) (laughs) swear a lifelong oath of loyalty, which is called a covenant, to one another and are assigned and are accountable to a personal advisor called a head for men and, get this, a handmaid for women. Stop it. Yeah. The group teaches that husbands are the heads of their wives and should take authority over the family. So literally the polar opposite of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and in her entire life's worth uh, work, which I would assume is a huge slap in in the face on behalf of the president.
1: This is this is the handmaid's tale. It, speaking of handmaids. Yeah. We're we're living in it. Yeah. This is happening. And you know what screw you to everybody out who, you know, when voted for Trump, who are like, well, I love the gays and y'all are great. And Trump doesn't care about your marriage rights. Trump doesn't care about abortion rights. He's not going to go after those things. Yes, he is. And he is doing it indirectly. And we've been telling you that this was going to happen. And all y'all who are like, well, he doesn't really care about it. I vote for him because he's bringing jobs back to the Rust Belt, which hasn't happened, by the way. Now, actual consequences are happening because you voted for this asshat. (sighs)
0: Ah, <sighs> we didn't even get to Barbara Lagoa, who also sucks. But that's just going to be another oh, conversation for another time. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. It's the Gay-MA next. Drop
2: the Subject. The new Channel Q.
0: Drop the Subject with Ali and James. It's Wednesday, which means we always give you our gay thoughts. And we learn a few gay things about one another. It's the Gay-MA. Chance for a lesbian lady to ask questions of a queer man and vice versa. And the topic of today was a submission from a listener who wanted to know what our ideal gaycation was. What a great first date question that you can ask somebody. Hey, what's your favorite Uh, version of a vacation? What would be your ideal vacation? They love to ask it. But what is the difference between a vacation and a gaycation or for lesbians, a vagcation?
1: (laughs) Is that Allie? That's not really a thing. You're making, no. you're making
0: so- no, just Wednesday. You.
1: You're just, you're just, you're down. You're just badging me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just badging. you.
0: I would argue that any camping trip for lesbians is considered a gaycation. Mm. I actually have my wedding anniversary this weekend and my first Aww. thoughts on how to celebrate that are always being in na- Oh, thank you. Two years down, many more to go. But we've also been together for 11 years. I kind of wish that we could get a little bit of a pass on that. Like, I wish Mm. we could have more years than just two, but it's all good. Yeah. And I always am like, well, why don't we go? I I always think of camping, and I swear Katie is getting so over it with me. She's like, can we just go? Uh, to a resort can we go to a nice hotel yeah. can we, even on our honeymoon i was like let's do an eco trek for three days and stay in a, vill- a Karen village and we did and it was fantastic but she was like dirty and covered in like dr- like she literally crapped in a hole in the ground with like that had like pieces of wood partition with spiders all over it she was like this is our honeymoon are so, you allowed
1: to share that story
0: Oh, the, the crap in a box?
1: Crapping crapping in a hole?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we did that eco-trek. It was in Chiang Mai in Thailand. And I know I sound super fancy, but well, we bought it on points. Okay. It wasn't like <laughs> we dropped a bunch of money. <laughs> we, bought, we bought it on points.
1: <laughs> I just mean you're not going to get in trouble for sharing like a crap in a box story.
0: No, we all had to crap in a box because we oh, okay. we did our little eco-trek, which meant that they, they take you on like a... Six-hour walk, and they point out different parts of the jungle, and they tell you all about the farming and all that stuff. And then eventually, you go into this village because there's a lot of native uh, villages in Chiang Mai, where and in Thailand in general, where they they don't have electricity, they don't have cars, they don't have. I mean, they're literally living off the land, and uh. they're the sweetest people. It was a fantastic experience, and because they don't have working water, it's just a hole in the ground. With pieces of wood around it. Sure. And they're like, if you need to wash up after this long hike, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like wow so and if you it's one of those situations where you shouldn't look up because if you look up there's like literally ten thousand spiders that are looking down at you like hi <gasps> oh, what are you doing oh my
1: god no so
0: uh we both so had this to crap is your
1: ideal gaycation
0: that was my gaycation That's What awesome. What what's yours
1: katie i'm so sorry honey <laughs> it's fine it's okay Just 11 years of this. We
0: slept on a (laughs) a lifetime more. We slept on a bag of rice.
1: (laughs) No, you did not. (laughs) Yes,
0: we did. We slept on an actual bag of rice. But what (laughs) is your ideal vacation? Boats, cruises?
1: Uh, So, you know, I was down for the cruise thing. And then I've come to realize over the years how the incredible environmental impact that cruises have. They're they're just awful. And so uh, we've kind of stopped doing that. I also was really this one particular cruise organization that we used to go with. And I think there was a lot of like cultural appropriation and whatever, because we would go to these countries where that were like predom- predominantly like brown people and poorer. And then it's like yeah. a boat full of mostly like rich white, white gays coming into like party. And so I was having some real issues with that. And I tried to address those issues with some of these individuals and it didn't go very far. <sighs> and so like for my own consciousness, right. I was like, I can't do this. So ideally, yes, scantily clad men warm weather some sort of body of water and the cocktails will be flowing but probably not on a cruise situation anymore Mm
0: -hmm. yeah not going to like indigenous worlds and uh, (laughs) and then be like oh my god we're here to party like it's just like
1: so not right so i actually think i'm gonna go the other way with you and like go in the outdoors and do some like uh random you know box crapping sounds fun
0: (laughs) random box grabbing. i do highly recommend it it is very memorable <laughs> and it, it was a really cool way to experience a new country um what is your ideal vacation let us know at dts show and we'll be right back with more drop the subject after this two minute break drop the
2: subject the new channel q
0: drop the subject Allie and james that's right welcome to the show welcome back if you're coming back Time. or if you've left for a while and then you needed time to cool off and now you're back again hello after all this time question for you james
1: i'm ready answer
0: uh you you you're you have a storied past you've lived in oh, several different do places I really?
1: oh oh that kind of past oh i thought i thought we weren't going to talk about that on air Allie.
0: <clears throat> well there's all kinds of things that we have yet to bring up about your storied past on the mm-hmm. air but we have time to do that Right now, I wanted to ask you about something my my wife and I are doing. It's the first time that we've ever done this in our lives. It's an exciting thing when you are quote adulting, looking into buying oh. a house. It's something that I've never ever even thought of that was possible. Uh, I, I this year for the first time ever got a car like a like a car that was a new car <laughs> and not even buying it, leasing it. Like I'm, it's not like I'm a Rockefeller or anything, but doing some things that I've never done before as an adult, and these are things for me that i go wait a minute i can do that hold on a minute i actually <laughs> it's not impossible it's something that's actually feasible uh, if i ask my parents for enough money but
1: <laughs> i mean there's that
0: my question f- for you is because you've you've owned homes before in uh-huh. your life you've lived in several different places and you've got it you've got a, you've got the pool you've done it you've gotten it you've got a good setup going on and when i talk to when I talk to people, my parents, when I talk to realtors, when i talk when I talk to the internet and and look up what the hell's going on with everybody moving out and buying houses and li- moving out of apartments and all kinds of things. I never know what to believe because I've got a realtor telling me this is the best time possible to buy a house. The interest rates are so low. They're the lowest they've ever uh-huh. been. And even in a year from now, they're not going to be raised. It's going to be perfect. Now is the perfect time. Then you've got my mom saying, now's the time. If you're going to buy, a, you, you got to get a house. if You're going to have a kid. Blah, blah, blah. Then I'm looking at Bloomberg and they're saying, this is the worst time ever to buy a house. Don't do it. <laughs> so from from the perspective of someone who actually has experience with this, what the hell is going on? Is this from COVID or is this is this part of 2020 dumpster fire or is this just regular business as usual?
1: The The business as usual person in me is like, if this were a normal year. I would have lots of thoughts that aren't being influenced by things that they should not be influenced by. The weird, uh, as my mother would say, hippy dippy part of me, that's like, cosmically, we're really all out of alignment right now. And maybe if those things are important, like maybe now is not the time to buy a house. So I'm actually of two minds of this. I know that's probably super frustrating. I will say, know your source. So if you are talking to a mortgage broker, if you are talking to a real estate agent, if you are talking to someone who is a home builder, whatever, they're going to tell you there's never a wrong time to buy a house. And there is some truth to that. There's never a wrong time to buy a house if it's right for you. So what it might be right for you could be wrong time for someone else. So you have to think about all of the intangibles, right? How steady is your income? How much down payment do you have? Where do you wanna live? Because some housing markets are through the roof right now and you don't wanna buy because it's too damn expensive. Whereas in other places like Midtown Manhattan right now, people are fleeing like crazy and prices have dropped. So maybe if you're like, I actually am gonna hang out in New York for a while, I'm there a lot. I've got an S-load amount of money because it's Manhattan. Like maybe that's smart for you to buy. But there are other places where like suburban Des Moines, Iowa is like really hot right now. And home prices are way too ex- more expensive than they should be, even though inflation rates are low and interest rates are low. And, you know, it's a whole thing. I say do it.
0: Really? Yeah. OK. After all that, after you give me both the plus column and the minus column, you're telling me to just go ahead. and. I, do I it.
1: think that for someone like you, who is going to be in this probably for the long term, you're married, you're thinking about kids, you got all these things ultimately over the long term housing has always been a good investment over the long term if you're thinking about buying to flip and all that madness don't do it but if you're like you we know we want to be in calabasas for forever or whatever then yeah i say go oh for God.
0: it yeah I'm, we are we are definitely going to look <laughs>
1: <elevator>. <laughs> you don't want to be by the kardashians
0: uh, well, I don't want to live in a shoebox. So that's <laughs> right. kind of my mentality there. But then, uh, and I know we have to take a break, but what do I do about, say, hypothetically, I have a wife who is delusional and feels that we need a five bedroom, four bath house that has a pool and a garden and a six car garage? Um, how do I bring her back down to earth? Do I just let the realtor do that?
1: Texarkana, Texas. It's about the only place she'll be able to afford that.
0: Okay, well, we're moving to Texas, everyone. Lesbians, here we come. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject.
2: The new Channel Q.
0: Welcome back to Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. And um, I'm Allie here with Dr. John Paul for our weekly wake-up call. I was able to snag them for a few minutes, which is always wonderful. (laughs) Um, Dr. John Paul... Uh, an incredible speaker, writer, social justice educator who I've had the pleasure of meeting and working with this year. And it's been our priority to speak to Dr. John Paul uh, every week whenever we can to sort of continue this more in-depth coverage of what is going on with the systemic racism in this country, kind of getting into the nitty gritty of some broader concepts that you know we believe as a show need more attention. So welcome to the back to the show Dr. John Paul.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I always love being here.
0: Yes, and this week we're chatting about specifically teaching racism And what is the right way to do that? When is the right time to do that? We're talking about this because there have been a couple of uh, initiatives in both directions that we've seen. Of course, we learned about the president of the United States trying to do this patriotic education system where he wants a more, quote, patriotic view or teaching of America's youth, which always seems to eliminate black and brown folks i would assume mm-hmm. you agree <laughs> i very
3: much agree yes
0: and then we learned about how california schools are now launching this anti-racism plan mm-hmm. and so i wanted to get your thoughts i mean you're you're an educator and yeah. when it comes to teaching youth about racism what has your experience been like and what has been effective versus ineffective
3: Yeah. So I think the the, the bigger conversation that is being had on both ends of the spectrum is the fine line around what's the truth. And having conversations with students, specifically youth, right? Looking at the legacy of 1776 and the conversation even around the 1619 Project, right? This whole conversation around critical race theory being noted as toxic propaganda, it says he basically uses the terminology ideological poison, It's interesting to me, to say the least, that in this conversation that you're saying propaganda, even when you start to tear apart the word propaganda, it's this idea of something being a lie or not being the truth. And what a lot of folks are saying is we need to look at the historical truths that are wrapped up in America, right? None of them are, are, are joyous or none of them are great, but the conversation is that these are our, the history is the history and we can't change it. And so I think that when I'm talking with my students, right, I like to ask them, what have you been taught? what ha- what do you know you know ultimately starting with what are you what are you aware of right and ultimately having a conversation about well what's the truth and how do we feel about that truth right there's no getting away from what's the truth and i think that that's what's happening here is that you have a president you have a system that's in place that's saying things need to be patriotic, but what we're not talking about is the history and what's connected to that patriotic piece, right? Even this country being founded on (laughs) the slaughtering of Native American people or Native people, right? Um, This idea that Black people were brought here against their will, all of these are hard truths that folks seem to want to get away from. So I think it's interesting to me and I, I think that that's where we really need to start having conversations. Why is everyone running away from the truth? Why are folks uncomfortable with the truth? and why is it that we have a presidency that's trying to now put these acts in order to get away from having conversations around said
0: truth. And when you do talk to youth about subjects like this? I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, some people don't know any, a lot of people don't know anything about it. What kind of reactions do you get from the kids when they realize these things? And then through osmosis, their parents are guardians.
3: Yeah, honestly, we'll say I've never worked in the K through 12. And I think a big part of the reason why I've never wanted to work in K through 12 is very much for this, right? This idea of we have to protect the children, I've always been privy to this idea, and I actually had this conversation with a friend earlier this week that our children know a lot more than what we give them credit for. And I think that that's the thing that we need to start having real conversations about. A lot of our children, specifically children, and I think nine through 12, you know, even for me, when I was in 10th grade, right after September 11th, I remember that day very, 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 um, it, it just it lives in the front of my mind of what that day was like for me, right? Starting to understand racism from that angle, right, after September 11th and how the world looked, I started waking up and going, oh, wow, this Mm -hmm. is what racism is, right? Um, Our youth know it. Our youth are experiencing it. Our youth are seeing it. And I think we're doing them a disservice when we're saying we're not going to have these conversations in the classroom, We need these conversations in the classroom because ultimately it's what's going to help folks not only understand their own experience, but ultimately how to interact with other individuals when they get out into the workforce. I'm just a proponent in believing that I think a lot of parents have a hard time, again, with actualizing how much they benefit off of these truths being uncovered. And when their children come home and say, mom and dad, why did this happen or why does this look this way? They don't have an answer and they don't want to have to talk about it. And so that's ultimately why they're doing their best to make sure that teachers or educators are not talking about it either.
0: We're talking about uh, teaching systemic racism, the proper methods, or at least the most effective methods, versus you know some of the things that we're seeing come out of the White House. Uh, We're with Dr. John Paul. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, more questions afoot. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Drop the
2: subject. The new channel Q.
0: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. I'm Allie here with Dr. John Paul for our weekly wake-up call. This is a chance for us to have some bigger conversations about systemic racism in this country. And specifically, we're talking right now about how it's being taught, if at all. And I wanted to ask you uh, either a personal and or a professional question Mm -hmm. about... When black kids are taught about racism that will happen against them, did your parents have that conversation with you? What has your experience been or what do you feel from a professional standpoint is like, how do you go about that? Because kids eventually realize pretty quickly that this world is an unfair place for them.
3: Ultimately, a big part is, you know, the rhetoric of what my family said to me kind of told me things. And now that I'm an adult, I understand what they mean. One of the things my mom would always say when I was, you know, in school, she would always say, I want you inside before the street lights come on. And or she would often tell me, you know, I don't want you running the streets with, you know, them, or I don't want you doing this, or I don't want you doing that. Um, I now as an adult, you know, as a as a 35-year-old black man, you know, black queer man living in this world, and my my voice is getting choked up because I'm thinking about it. My mom didn't necessarily have to tell me, but it was like certain things she would say to me kind of told me everything I needed to know. And now I understand that when my mom says, tell me what you're where you're going or tell me that you made it, in her mind, it's, I want to make sure that my Black son did get, didn't get pulled over and, right. and get shot. So I think about these things, right? I think, you know, Black, Folks have to learn about race in a very interesting way versus white folks and how we talk about it. And it's very much about what has been done when it's taught to others versus what has been done to us when we think about it from Black people, if that makes sense, right? How how we experience it is oftentimes Mm -hmm. how we talk about race. You know, what we don't want to experience, don't do this to have that happen in the the reference of being Black. But when I think about how we talk about it in our schools, it's oftentimes this idea of, well, this is what the history has been and no one really talking about why it happened, right? This is what had happened and that's kind of where we stop. And so I think for me, it's just, it's really hard to kind of put those pieces together in my own mind about this idea that sometimes I have to be taught what history looks like to me. But in reality, a lot of this history is not my history. If that makes
0: sense, yeah, no, that definitely yeah. makes sense, and yeah, you know, it brings all these questions of how much needs to be taught in schools and how much parents need to be teaching their own children specifically about these things and I Very so. and and you make a great point about you know black families um other families of color and white families needing to have their own conversations about what this means and but specifically for white families to Not only educate their kids, but to get into that why that you speak Mm -hmm. of Dr. John Paul, um, because right now, I mean, I can only speak for myself, I guess, but I did not know enough. And that's why I I enjoy talking to you. But Mm -hmm. these things need to be taught at an earlier age. And I never had that conversation with my parents of why is the world the way that it is? Because that's such a tough thing for kids to be able to to grasp. But then again, you know, you say kids know and I guess they kind of do little
3: stuff like that. Even for me growing up, you know, I think about how teachers responded to me when I asked questions or when I said things versus the way that they responded. And I'm just saying this flippantly, I don't know Billy, but Billy who's, you know, white and comes from, you know, the suburban area of Highland, California or Redlands, right. Versus me, Jonathan, who lives in San Bernardino and lives in one of the poverty stricken areas. You know, there, there are all these assumptions already made about me. And I think about this a lot, right. Like, our students understand, especially now with social media and the way things are are out there, they understand how white supremacy is moving and how it's working and how it's affecting them. So I don't understand why so many folks, specifically our president, our folks in these positions to create these things are trying to hide it. It's, It's stuff that we see in front of us day in and day out. There's no hiding that the history has been terrible for Black and Brown people. There's no hiding that that systems of slavery and enslavement have has been around for centuries. And it's no hiding either, too, that a lot of the policing that marginalized people face comes out of slavery. So it's right. like there's no hiding any of this. And so for you to say, oh, this is propaganda or we're going to create something to try to change it or you know, change the way the rhetoric of how we talk about it, I don't understand it. I, it's just another way to cover up things in the sandbox. In
0: well, yeah. And it's you say hiding, but they're literally pretending it doesn't exist. Correct. <laughs> it's Correct. Basically like, that. Yeah, that isn't true. And it's like, yeah. OK, what? So there's but literally mountains of evidence mm-hmm. that that it exists. Uh, Anyway, we can go on. But Dr. John Paul, thank you for your time as always. Um, Dr. John Paul, you can follow them at Dr. John Paul. You can read all about them. You can listen to their TED Talk um, on unlearned fear and reclaiming personal power, um, which was, uh, I mean, that's how I fell in love with you in the first place, but also (laughs) through friends of friends. And very glad to have you on every week. And we'll see you next week.
3: All right. See you then. Thanks.
2: Drop the subject. The new channel cue.
3: Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it.
0: Drop subject alley and James, news it or lose it time. I've got two headlines. James has two headlines, but we can only news one of the duh. And you get the news. Duh. duh. <laughs> it's time for news it or lose it. Here are your headlines, James.
1: You got to news it.
0: News it! Here's your first headline You're Sizzler. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> well, I'm losing it. Right. Sizzler, you held out as long as you could.
1: Oh, Sizzler's going down, huh? Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think no.
0: the real news is that Sizzler was still around. Was
1: still around, but come on. That was the best place to get like steak and all you could eat, scrumps on the weekends.
0: Well, Pounds and pounds I, of salad. Pounds of salad.
1: Reason why my first diet started at age twelve. I'm gonna lose it. Okay, Jesse, you quit telling me to wrap it up. It's
0: already telling us to wrap you it up. Knock you it shut off up, right up, you now, dummy Stop head. Stop
1: being a producer. Uh,
0: every once in Talk a while, about shrimp you hear if I it. want to <laughs> about somebody <laughs> finding an old baseball card in a jacket or something. Well, this headline is about Tony Todd from Black Panther who found a signed bat by Michael Jordan 26 uh, that he found after 26 years. Oh my so that gosh. is what you'll hear about. Give me your headlines, please.
1: An entire village lost its broadband at the same time every day for 18 months.
0: Oh, that sounds funny, but I'm going to lose. Yeah. Oh,
1: you're going to lose that. All right. It's very interesting. Well, maybe you should have kept it because now you have to hear about a high speed train between Dallas and Houston gets oh. federal approval.
0: No, I want to go back.
1: <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. This is super interesting. So for 18 months, residents of a village in Wales. Do you have a good Welsh? Do you have a good, do you have a Catherine? No,
0: um, that one's impossible. Are you it's kidding?
1: It's mega ultra hard. Yeah. Yeah, And
0: their city names are like the whole alphabet jumbled <laughs>
2: together. <laughs> Correct.
1: With Well, without the vowels though, right? It's like insane. Yes. Um, so a resident, this is why they don't name the village. They just say a village in Wales. Yes. <laughs> um, every day at 7 a.m., their broadband was going out. Boom! The whole town. No one could use the internet, and they could not figure it out why. And then a couple hours later, it'd come back on, and it worked great the rest of the day. So they brought in engineers, and they were doing all this stuff, and they were like trying to crowdsource the issue, and they had people from all over the place trying to figure this out. Consulting firms couldn't figure it out. Finally, some engineer figured out that there was like a a an electrical. Like surge that happened every day, like clockwork about 7 a.m. So they tracked that surge and they tracked that surge back to one elderly man's television set that apparently was super old. And hooked up into the grid in just some sort of weird wonkadoo way that when he flipped the switch on his television to watch his programs every morning at 7 a.m., it would knock out the entire city's broadband.
0: Oh, that's great. That's funny. That's when you know it's a good old tv when it's knocking out <laughs> everybody else's broadband no uh you I don't the get the to watch netflix so bad on I. that thing yeah <laughs> you can't see anything on that tv i know uh, i
1: know isn't that great poor guy and he, uh, he apparently this gentleman who remains nameless was mortified said he immediately agrees to switch off the tv never use it again and never watch that program again
0: oh just get the guy of, come on just get him a regular tv
1: he should get like free netflix for a year and a laptop Yeah. You know.
0: All right, every once in a while, like I said, you hear a story about someone finding something valuable and it's worth like $25 million. And Black Panther actor Tony Todd, he there was a picture of him from a long time ago with Michael Jordan, and he's holding a bat that was signed by him. So now all these years later, someone was looking at that picture and they were like, dude, do you have that bat? And he's like, I don't know. And then he's like, oh, wait. I have this old car. It's like this old Pontiac uh-huh. that I guess, I guess he... I don't know if he used to play baseball or if he was just a collector, but he had a bat rack in his trunk. Oh, wow. From you know. this old car that I would assume doesn't run anymore. And he opened it, and there was the bat. So he's got a 26-year-old signed Michael Jordan bat. And uh, I. he says he's not going to sell it. But, hey, you never know when he he said... He wouldn't be opposed to giving it to someone who was like a Michael Jordan, super, f- super, super, super fan.
1: This is like you talked about earlier in the show, Ali. This is one of those history moments. He's going to say he's not going to sell it. But six months <laughs> from now,
0: I want you to hold me accountable.
1: Uh, there's right. There's going to be some story about this man fetches $175,000 because he hasn't been able to work right. because he's and an actor. Like, Tony Todd, who?
0: Whatever. Right. It's just a bad <laughs> I don't know what you're
1: talking about. I never said that. Fake news. Fake news.
0: Yeah. When you say I'm not going to sell it and then they tell you how much it's worth and you're like, (laughs) get it it out of that Pontiac. All right. We're uh, in a two minute break. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. Drop the Subject.
2: The new channel Q.
1: Drop the Subject, Allie and James. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Wednesday. We love that you are here and we love when you interact with us on the social medias at DTS show. And when you do, sometimes we play your songs for you. Ha ha ha. So Vivi Cheese, who is a fan of the show, thank you, and interacts with us on Instagram often, sent a song very specifically to me, Allie. Not to you. Oh, okay. To me. Just FYI. I'm <laughs> the star of the show. And Vivi Cheese thought that maybe I would appreciate this song and that maybe all of the rest of our listeners would too because it sort of uh, coincides with Gate as well as other mask initiatives we've had here on the show, which are basically just wear your damn mask.
0: Yeah. Um, mask was something that we did on the show many months ago, and it has not made a return to the airwaves of Channel Q because our boss hated it. For uh, a very good reason. For a very good reason. And he sent us a lot of text messages about how awful it was. And that was before the second break of it aired. <laughs>
1: He's like, oh, God, I hope this isn't going for a second break. Yeah,
0: And then it did. did. But we're still here in Queer to tell the tale. When in public wear a mask, just a teeny weeny task. It helps keep us safe and sound health and care all around
2: on your mouth and on your nose. Good to cover both of those.
0: Well, that was uh, I mean, Google voice or whatever. her I don't think she has a name, does she?
1: I don't know which... I like Cassandra.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. That just came to my head. Cassandra. Well, and you have to say it like that. Cassandra.
0: Cassandra. <laughs> Cassandra, play the mask song.
1: Play the mask song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she is really trying to one-up Siri. I mean, this seems like a catty song competition. If both of them were drunk and doing karaoke, I feel like it would end in earring pulling.
1: Uh, at least. Although, but it's really because they're both jealous of Alexa. Right, because Alexa's so fun to say and everyone says Alexa, right? That's become the cultural thing. Everyone's not been like, Siri, play this. Everyone's like, uh, Alexa, turn off twenty twenty. You know, like that's the meme. That's the joke. So not Siri or Cassandra. Um, either way, Vivi Cheese, thank you so much for this song. We appreciate that very much. Apparently, for the rest, those of you listening, you could just you have to go to Google. You have to be like, Hey, Google play the mask song and this will play. We play it for you at DTS show on Twitter and Instagram is where you can follow us uh, as well. We also have a podcast, of course, uh, as many of you are listening to that right now, but if you don't, we have a podcast. So you should go check it out. Radio.com, subscribe to it, download it, give us five stars, leave us a review. Tell us what we do. Good. Tell us everything that Ali does bad. And we move on <laughs> from there.
0: Yes. And you know, you can also share the show with any of your smart speaker ladies. That's another great thing is that whether you have Siri or Alexa or Cassandra,
1: Cassandra
0: or the lesser known Cortana, which is probably the person who would show up late to the party and then want to stay way past when anyone still cares about karaoke. <laughs> you guys, let's just one more song. I want you sweet guys. Caroline. And you're like, just oh. up a white
1: claw. So like, let's do it
0: yeah she's the one that they're serving water to at the bar that's cortana (laughs) that's cortana and she has no idea that she's being served water this is great so whoever your smart speaker is you can recommend our show to them you can say hey alexa hey google hey whoever play drop the subject on the new channel q she will hopefully listen to you as long as you've got radio.com installed which who doesn't at this point So we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow is gay, gay, cray, cray day. And, of course, we're going to talk to Dr. Jen, as always. Uh, Lots of good stuff lined up. So if you missed anything, like James said, download that podcast, and we will see you manana. Drop the subject.
2: The new Channel Q.